This is Guerrilla Project Management with Samad Aidan. We bring you engaging and thought-provoking conversations with today's leading project management experts and emerging influencers. I had the great pleasure of sitting down with Vivek Wadwa to get his insights on the effect of culture on innovation and the challenges that organizations face in building high-performance global and multicultural innovation teams. An entrepreneur-turned-academic, Vivek is a director of research at the Center for Entrepreneurship and Research Commercialization at Duke University and a senior research associate for the Labor and Work-Life Program at Harvard Law School, a pioneer for his groundbreaking research on the globalization of research and development and innovation Vivek is an advisor to several governments, mentors, entrepreneurs, and a columnist for the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and Bloomberg Business Week. You can catch Vivek at the upcoming Wabi on Innovation Forum, which will take place June 4th and 5th in New York City. Find out more information at wabi.com. That's W-O-B-I.com. Here's my interview with Vivek. Vivek, welcome. Well, glad to be here. Are companies from emerging and fast-growth markets, such as India, China, Brazil, for example, are they managing uh, or approaching innovation differently than companies in um, the so-called developed world? They have to because they have to make do with much less. They have Mm -hmm. less infrastructure. They have more bureaucracy. They have less of an evolved ecosystem. So they are really trying to innovate with one hand tied behind their backs. Can you speak a little bit more to these uh, to these types of circumstances that they face that make them um, having to be much more resourceful? Right. In, in the West, we take it for granted that we have expensive research labs, that we have large marketing organizations, that you can raise large amounts of venture capital. In the developing world, you don't have any of those luxuries. Companies are barely making do, and some there's some very successful companies, but by and large, most um, of the companies that could be innovating don't have massive resources, and, and they don't have the ability to get uh, the tools that they need. So they're at, a, they're at a disadvantage, I mean, which means that they have to be more creative, they have to work smarter than otherwise. In India, they call it jugad, which really means making do and doing with less. Well, that has to be the type of, um, of attitude that they take, that look, look, hey, good, we're not going to have these research labs, we're not going to have all these scientists, uh, we're not going to have access to the large amounts of capital that the West has, but we can do things smarter because we understand the problems better than, better than they do. We're hungrier than they are, and we can be equally creative. Talk a little bit about some of the special things that uh, leaders from these types of uh, companies from emerging and fast-growth markets, uh, things that they do better than others in, in basically fostering an environment of innovation and creativity. Well, the fact is that most uh, in the developing world, don't do um, the type of research and do the type of innovation that you see in the West, which is world-changing. What they do is that they innovate for themselves. They'll develop some better business processes. They'll develop some better ways of using machinery. They'll do things on a small scale. Now, a separate discussion is how do we get these innovations from the developing world to scale and to be as impactful and world-changing. But that's that, you know that's a completely different discussion. But the fact is that this is why we have uh, Silicon Valley leading the world in innovation. You know, take the, um, uh, the social media apps that you come out of here. Take some of the other apps that come out of here. 
it's not that someone in the developing world hasn't built something better than that or can't build something better than that. It's just that they don't have the, uh, the, uh, the markets and the mechanisms to distribute and the funding necessary to scale to be able to achieve the global scale that companies here can. Let's talk about um, multinational corporations, regardless of where uh, they, they, they are. What are some of the challenges that these multinational um, organizations face in building high-performance multicultural innovation teams? Well, first of all, the education system in the developing world is um, very restrictive. I mean, if you look at India and China in particular, which I've studied, it's rote memorization. Children are taught that they have to get uh, high grades and they have to memorize facts and figures. They're not taught to be creative. They don't have the freedom. And, and they, you know, they're not taught to be as creative and uh, challenge authority like children in the West are. So they're starting off with a disadvantage with the labor pool. Now, what they can do is that they can uh, teach uh, these uh, their employees about advances in technology. They can uh, teach them, this, give them the same knowledge that's available to people in the West. And then they can turn them loose and say, okay, you, you, it's time for you to break the rules and to come up with grand new ideas. Go beyond everything you've learned. Challenge, challenge what we do. Challenge what other companies do. Uh, just invent, and we will reward you for it. So multinational companies can indeed cause their employees to um, you know, come out of, uh, to rise above the disadvantage that they've had. They have to now have managers who can motivate and inspire their subordinates to think outside the box. And the way you do that, you know, for example, is by having contests which reward um, employees for coming up with creative new ideas, crazy ideas, who has a, you know, the most crazy idea that's practical. So they can do contests like that and they can shock their employees. They can also you know, uh, uh, create uh, uh, R&D labs. Because you know, right now the cost of technology has dropped exponentially, so you can buy robotic kits, you can build, you can build robots, you can now uh, uh, you know, be having sensors and create new types of uh, medical devices. None of these uh, technologies cost much. Most of the time, they have nothing to do with the, the core business of these companies. But by giving their employees some tools and say, okay, look, experiment with them. We want you to, we're going to reward you for coming up with some creative ideas which have nothing to do with our company. What it does is it brings out the passion and the, and the uh, creativity of, of employees and gets them to start thinking outside the box. So that management itself has to inspire its employees to, um, to you know, break the rules and innovate. That's very hard to do. I think that's brilliant. I think that's a brilliant idea because um, I think, especially in multinational corporations, where most of the leaders and from the Western world, I think there is there is this either um, lack of appreciation of the role of culture um, on how it shapes the way people think in different cultures about, for example, saying, uh, saying no or, or challenging, for example, a manager or uh, talking about something that is uncomfortable. Um, but like you said, when you create an environment where you can rewire uh, the thinking of, of this talent, then uh, you basically unleash their, their potential. You know, what you can do, for example, is tell them to go back to their hometown or their village and think about five problems that they had there. How would they apply technology to solve those problems? So you know, if, you, if you do creative things like that, now what you're doing is you're dealing with the culture, you're dealing with the local environment. You're challenging them to, to, uh, to take the advances that the multinationals have shown them and made available to them and apply it to their own setting. 
And I'll tell you something, that the multinationals will probably gain many perspectives and insights that they might not otherwise have by motivating their employees in this way. Because you know, just as um, uh, the employees have a disadvantage of not having had the um, you know, creative uh, break-the-rules upbringing, the multinationals don't have the advantage of understanding the culture of these countries. Well, let's bring it together. Let's now uh, have the multinationals inspire their, their employees to go outside and do great things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we can, I mean, we can tell and we know that that works because when we bring multinationals to, for example, Silicon Valley, we see how uh, they thrive. We see how, for example, I think there's some statistics about one in every two um, startups in Silicon Valley is, is either started by or um, is um, in uh, top leaders are, are from different cultures, different My research, uh, different I documented countries. that uh, from 1995 to 2005, uh, 52% of the startups in Silicon Valley were founded by people who were born abroad, immigrants. Well, thank you for, for correcting me because, <laughs> you know, that, that is your research, that is your, actually, those are your statistics and I'm quoting them and I had, you know, I lost uh, track as to where they came from, so they came from you, so they I have the honor me, of absolutely. talking to them. <laughs> A paper called America's New Immigrant Entrepreneurs that I published uh, in 2007. Because what that shows is that even people with the you know, with the upbringing and with the the weak education system of their home countries, when they come into an innovative, fertile environment, they can innovate. What's more, the magic that happens in Silicon Valley is that you have diversity. So you have people from all over the world coming together, challenging each other. They challenge the natives. This is why Silicon Valley is the most innovative place on this planet, because it's one of the most diverse places on this planet. So you have people from all over the world coming together now. The rules are break all the rules. The rules are disrupt. The rules are challenge. The rules are think outside the box. Think big. And look at the magic that happens. You have the most innovative place on this planet because you've got this cocktail, this lethal cocktail of creativity and innovation. This is why Silicon Valley leads. Imagine if you, you applied that same model to within companies. You now had diverse groups. It doesn't have to be culturally diverse. It can also be diverse in terms of backgrounds. You have people in different departments, and you tell them, okay, we want you to innovate and solve big problems for us. The same magic happens. What's been interesting to me was to read about how different countries, different geographic areas in the world try to create their own version of Silicon Valley. And what we see is that this is not something that you can buy. I've uh, written extensively about that, that you can't replicate Silicon Valley. I've documented why Silicon Valley succeeds, and I've documented the fact that the clusters that top, you know, top-down clusters that governments try to create never work. I have mentioned this, and forgive me if I stole it from you, but what I have realized is that diversity and inclusion, and especially inclusion, not in the sense of some kind of fairness or some kind of social equity or fairness, but inclusion and diversity and inclusion are probably going to be the last competitive advantage that corporations will will, will have since there is uh, uh, equal access to capital and resources um, exactly. and that, so the, the ability to be able to tap into diverse minds and bring and, them together. And, and that diversity also means gender diversity. We also have to include our women because because women are very creative, and they bring other advantages to the table. And in many countries, including uh, the United States, they're left out, which is wrong, because they are equally capable, equally smart, equally empowered. So they're not equally empowered. They have to be equally empowered. And put that diversity together, and, and companies will see magic happening. One question that I wanted to ask you, uh, Vivek, is what is your advice uh, in terms of the skills 
that multinational corporations need to focus on building in their leaders uh, who are tasked with building and leading multicultural global innovation teams? First of all, they have to be sensitive to culture. Then they have to realize that, uh, that diversity provides advantage, and they have to empower their people. That, uh, they have to encourage them to, um, uh, to take risks, and it's okay to fail. So this is, these are the things which they have to now uh, you know, teach their people. Uh, you know, culture plays an important part in innovation. It really brings uh, different perspectives to the table, and uh, it really uh, in, you know, inspires people to, uh, to think in creative new ways. That uh, you know, Every culture has its own strengths. You bring many cultures together with an ability to take risks, and you get magic happening. Well, Vivek, I, I just want to thank you so much for this great opportunity to speak to a mind like yourself. And so I would love the opportunity to speak to you again um, and, and uh, bring out some of these insights to the community of project managers who desperately need to understand the role of culture in innovation. Absolutely. You can catch Vivek at the upcoming Wabi on Innovation Forum, which will take place June 4th and 5th, 2014 in New York City. Find out more at wabi.com. WOBI.com. Wabi on Innovation will focus on the disruptions that are impacting business and the massive upside opportunities they present for those alert and nimble enough to both spot them and react accordingly. You've been listening to Guerrilla Project Management. You can hear more Guerrilla Project Management podcasts on iTunes and read more at guerrillaprojectmanagement.com.